Listen, we are going to be talking today uh, about the power of vision. And this whole series, the idea of 2030 and creating the future, it is all around this idea of how do we have a vision for the future so that we actually are intentional about the future that we create. And how do we, uh, you know, Proverbs 29, 18, it, this famous verse, it says in the older translations that without a vision, the people perish. Uh, other translations often bring it out without a, a revelation from God or a sense from God of the future, uh, you know, we kind of lose our way. But when we know what God is kind of on about and has for us, then we actually step in to his blessing. Now, here's the thing. What we want to do through this series and this idea of 2030 is go, how do we have a vision, a picture in our minds of that future that we believe God is revealing to us so that we can move towards it? I want to show you something about how vision works today. Today is going to be all about what do, we, what do we put into our vision of the future so that we get pulled and can move towards it. I've got with me this uh, giant, uh, I would call it a rubber band. You might call it a lackey band. But I've got a giant one. And now here's what we're going to do. And I didn't really think about how I'd do this when I had a microphone in my hand. So we'll see. Uh, the microphone's not necessarily part of the vision, but we'll make it part of something. Uh, so here, let's say this hand right here holding the mic represents 2020. It represents current reality. It represents life as we know it right now. And let's say this this right hand right here, I'll, I'll make it a fist even. Everything inside here is going to be the future. This is 2030. This is our vision and our picture of the future. Now, there's always a gap between uh, where we are today, current reality, and any vision. Any legitimate vision is a, a picture of a preferred future that does not exist yet. Now, here's how it works, though. When you have a gap between the two, what you get and let's, let's just see, is this, uh, imagine this, this little lackey band. Actually, it's a big one, so hopefully you can see it. But when you have a gap between where you are right here and where you want to be, something happens, and that's called tension. Can you see the tension between 2020 and 2030, the tension between current reality and preferred vision of the future? Whenever you have a, a gap between those two things, there's tension. But here's the good thing about that tension. It doesn't mean it has to be tension like, oh, I'm so nervous, I wonder, or I'm anxious about what the future will bring. This kind of tension is what's called creative tension. And the only way you actually can move forward towards a vision is when you have creative tension. This tension you see in that rubber band, it's the energy that actually fuels you to create and move toward a different future. So I want you to imagine your life, you know, just personally for a moment. Here's you today. There's your life. Here, where, what does your vision, what's inside your vision for your life? Now, what will happen is if you are intentional about that vision, you're probably going to say, you know what, there's certain things I want to achieve, uh, you know, maybe in my career. Uh, there's a certain things I want to achieve in my family. I want relationships to look a certain way. There's certain things I want to achieve in fitness or finances. You should, when you think about your life, if you really have a vision, it should encompass everything in your life. It should encompass what you want your uh, connection with God and faith to look like, the impact you want to leave in this world. And if you have a vision like that for your life, there will be tension because your life is not there yet. But that tension is a good thing. What tends to happen, and this is the thing that's important to realize, is that whenever we have a gap between where we are and where we want to be, there's tension. And there's two ways we can relieve that tension. 
And as humans, we always want to relieve tension. We don't like living with a gap. We don't like having tension there. So we will always try to close that gap. And what you realize is there's always two ways we can close that gap. One is we take steps. Here's where I want to get to. I start trying to take steps so I can get closer and closer and closer to my vision. And the tension goes away. The easier thing is just to bring my vision back. It's just to go, you know what? I know I said I wanted to do that, but maybe it's not that important after all. And we can end up lowering our vision or letting go of things just because we don't like the gap. And when that happens, we actually, instead of creating the preferred future we want, we just sort of end up right where we started because it feels a little too hard to hold on to this vision. And what if I don't get there? So here's what I want us to think about. Here's what I think is really fascinating. Uh, what all of the challenges and changes to life that have come in the last three, three months, 12 weeks around our world, one of the things it's done is it kind of went everything. Imagine you had a vision for 2020. I had some vision for 2020, like the year what I thought it would hold. There was a bunch of things that were in my life I was imagining and picturing and doing and all those things. And so my gap was like this, but I was going to move towards it. But a lot of those things, it was like, yeah, nope, not, not there anymore. <laughs> Just gone. No more tension. You know what? Like that trip overseas you're planning on and working towards and believe all this. Yep, not happening. You know, just, but here's the beautiful thing. And this is what I want you to grab hold of today. Here's what we get to do we get to actually say, what do we want in the vision? A lot of things have just kind of been, you know, well, I don't know, they're not even possible. And we've all been given a moment to kind of go, what do we want in that vision and where will we set it? And here's the thing we don't want to do is we don't want to set it too low. We don't want to end up also just going, you know what, what do we used to do? What did my life used to look like? Maybe I'll just put it there because that's kind of easy to get towards. How do we be intentional about choosing it? Now, as a church, here's what we're thinking about with this idea of 2030 is we believe that God has a vision for our future. In fact, here's one of the other things we believe as a church, that if we think about the future and what's Jesus doing and what's he want to do now and what's he going to be doing for this next decade and what will he be doing until he returns, Jesus has told us he's always building his church. That's what he's up to in the world. And he said, and nothing will ever prevail against it. Nothing, not the gates of hell, nothing. So Jesus, we know, is at work building his church. We know he loves the church, calls it his bride, pictures us in even Ephesians uh, 5 that he wants to present this glorious bride. And so he's working on his church and in his church is what he's up to in this world. And guess what? He invites, uh, we are part of his work in this world. And so our question is going to be today, as we think about it as a church, what is the vision God has for us in 2030? What do we want to put in there? that we move towards? What is going to pull us into that future? Now, to answer that and to reflect on that, we are going to go back into the past today. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. It gives us God's picture of the church in action, of what the church is meant to always be about. Let me ask you this, right where you're watching, maybe take a moment. Think, you could think it in your mind. You say it to somebody nearby. You could write it. Uh, if you got paper and you want to write it somewhere, or if you got a phone, just ask yourself this. What do you believe? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a great thing to stop and ask ourselves. We don't want to just go, I don't know, what we're supposed to just do church stuff. Right now, there's a lot of questions. When will we do church again? When will we resume church? The church has never stopped. 
the danger in this moment would be we sort of just think we should just do that stuff we used to do the way we always did it, right? What we're going to say is, no, what is the church meant to be? Let's be intentional about what's going to go in this picture. Ask yourself this question. What does the church exist to do? You know, anybody who's leading an organization at some point in the last 12 weeks, or anybody who's working an organization, or anybody who's involved with anywhere has had to ask this question. Uh, we can't do things exactly the way we used to do them. So how will we, one of the words you always hear is pivot. How will we change? How will we shift what we are doing? And the question you always have to ask to say, how will we pivot or shift or uh, adjust things? The question you have to ask is, what were we trying to achieve in the first place? Otherwise, just go, I don't know, let's just do that. We must always ask, what were we trying to achieve? What does God want his church to achieve? What's in his vision for it? Write down your answer, maybe just real quickly or, or say it out loud or, or, or write it, but kind of get it in your mind. We're going to think today about what is this picture? If you're a follower of Jesus, this is going to be hopefully great because it's going to help us go, yes, this is some of what he wants for us. If you're someone who never even, you know, as far as you know, church has always been nothing but a, a, something you connect to online. You know, if you're new to church, here's what you're going to get today is a bigger picture about what we do and why we do it. Acts chapter 2 says this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. They, this is the brand new church. Now, this is the church. Do you ever have a kid's birthday party? And like, maybe you get the whole room set up and you decorate it and everything's ready. And you take a picture right before all the kids come and mess it all up. <laughs> you know, it's like just this great picture. Or maybe it's at the beginning when all the kids are still happy and none of them have had like a sugar rush and then a sugar crash. And they've started, you know, like, you know, just tackling each other. Um, you know, this is the picture of the church when it just began. It's this snapshot. The God has poured out the Holy Spirit the first time he's begun the work of the church and they're just getting started. And Here's what it says that little snapshot looks like. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, we should, we've got to always hold on to this picture. I love this picture because it is. It's like this moment where you get to see for one moment, this was the church in action. You start to read the rest of the New Testament, you'll see, you know, all of the crashes and the tackling and, and, and different conflicts start to, all this. And, but this is almost like this one moment God just wants to give us a glimpse to remind us this is what the church is meant to be. And just because... There's been a gap between our experience and the vision God has for it does not mean we can ever lower the vision. It doesn't mean we can go, you know what, it's actually too hard. What, they, they met together daily or they were selling their home, they were generous, they were uh, signs and wonders, that all, all, you know, this all devoted to apostles teaching, this all seems too hard and the temptation is to want to lower it. 
But when we think about 2030, we have to say, no, 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 this is the vision. And we've got to figure out how are we always moving towards it? How do we let the tension between where we are and where we know God, what he wants us to look like? We've got to let that create a tension that moves us forward, not lower the vision. Now, the interesting thing about these verses is as we read them, what we are going to try and figure out as we now think about 2030 and the future is not how do we move uh, back to things we've seen in the past. This is a vision from the past, but this is not a vision, you know, it's not a picture like of the past. We're not trying to go, how do we do exactly what that is? What we have to work out is how do we understand the essence of what the church has been meant to be, but find fresh expressions in the future. See, our lives don't look like their lives looked. Like our, our routines, what our houses look like. It says they met every day, you know, in houses. Um, so if we just go, okay, so we have to meet in our houses every day, we will totally miss the point. You know, like there, we, we've got a picture when we think of houses and we think of a certain kind of house and we think about, uh, you know, maybe even how I could use the, all the free government money to build a house that people could meet in, you know? Like maybe this is a great time for that. You know? The point is not, uh, do we try and make our lives look like the lives of people who lived in the, uh, early part of the first century in, you know, in, in this particular culture and time, but how do we preserve the essence and say, what do these expressions look like today? What could they look like in the future? You know, the, I, I want us to see, uh, there are kind of five things that we see when you work through this passage that have always been a part. These are things that, these are, are part of the vision. These are what the church exists to do. These are why why we will still uh, have churches, not just in 10 years, but until uh, Jesus should return. We will, this, and this is why there have been churches for the last 2,000 years, to do these things. This is why the church is here. And the first thing you see in this passage as you're reading through it is it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, the early believers, they, uh, they were getting teaching from the apostles, like literally the guys who walked and talked with Jesus for three years and who Jesus taught and instructed and discipled. And they were now teaching it verbally. Eventually it comes to be kind of written and preserved for us in the scriptures. But what we understand from this early snapshot of the church is that, you know, whether it's 2020 or 1910 or 2050, I can tell, I may not, we may not always know exactly what this will look like, but we do know this, the church will always be committed to and devoted to what we're going to just simply call discipleship. Do you know what? The church exists. I almost forgot the eye. For discipleship. The church exists to disciple people. What's that mean? It means teaching people. Jesus' last words to his people is, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go. You're going to make disciples of all nations. You're going to teach them to obey. Every, you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're going to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'll be with you through all of it to the very end of the age. This is what the church exists to do. You know what? People in certain times, you know, in, in Acts 2, they would stand up in a crowd and they had no microphone and they had no internet and they had no camera like I'm looking into. It was just right there. And they would teach the scriptures. Now here we are and we got cameras 
As you heard, we need more of them in internet and hookups and sound and different things. Because through these things, is it just so we could have like cool and cool pictures or put video? No, because we have to stay committed to discipleship and use whatever tools God puts in our hand to help people stay devoted to the scriptures and understanding everything Christ taught us. Now, as we look through, we see that the church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And it also says they were devoted to the fellowship. Do you know what churches are uh, always, we exist not just to teach and train people and walking in the way of Jesus, but churches exist to create a fellowship. And a fellowship is a group of people who are committed to some uh, common objective and to one another. Fellowship, you know, sometimes we think of this word, maybe fellowship of the ring, the whole idea of this group of people, they came together for a purpose and a mission. And through that, their relationships with one another strengthened. The church is always meant to be about being, when you see this word fellowship, it's, it's about being connected to one another. It says that they ate together. They ate in homes together. They broke bread together. They gathered around the body of Christ and it formed a community of people. It formed a fellowship. I don't know everything about the future, but I do know this. The church will always, our vision must always include fellowship. Not an isolated group of people who might show up in one building at the same time each week, but a connected group of people committed to Jesus and to one another. The, uh, you know what, as they go, it says, that they were committed to the, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. That's what brings us together. That's why we're a fellowship around Christ and to prayer. They were committed to prayer and to praying for one another. In fact, you know, it also says that what was happening in their midst was signs and wonders. And the whole, the whole of the people all around them were in awe of all these signs and wonders. Now, Here's going to be our word for this one. Do you know what the church is always meant to be about? It's meant to be about ministry. You know, Jesus, in his three years of public ministry, he went around teaching and preaching and doing signs and wonders, healing people, setting, you know, oppressed people free from demons. He went around signs and wonders everywhere he went. And guess what? In the early church, that same thing happens. And they're praying and praying for people. Do you know something? The church in the future, there should always be this experience of God's love being applied to people's life in dramatic ways. That's what ministry is. Ministry is about seeing the power of God's Holy Spirit at work in this world and, and, and kind of seeing it shape the world changed and adjusted to look more like the kingdom of God. Do you know this needs to always be a part of our vision for the future. You know, uh, I got a great news story for you today as well. You know, uh, I've, I've got a photo, actually, I think we'll be able to put up there. This is uh, Rachel Wardlehawk and her, her daughter. And they are, uh, you'll see them here in this photo. They've got a little tiara crowns on. Uh, many of you know Rachel. In fact, we had her up in, in our, one of our campuses back in February, and our whole church was praying for her. Uh, many of you fasted and prayed in the week for her. And back in February, she was given a, a very difficult diagnosis with cancer. Cancer had returned. It was, in her, it was in her liver. There were tumors. It was in her bones. In fact, one doctor told her that right now there was a very high likelihood that even today she would no longer be alive. 
We prayed and she sought God's healing in her life. And Thursday night, she got a report that a a scan that her body was free and clear and healed of that cancer. And we celebrate that. We celebrate it. And all the doctors were like, this doesn't make sense. They kept telling her it must be some kind of higher power. And she could say, no, 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 not just some higher power. That's Jesus. Jesus healed me. He's still in the business of signs and wonders. He's still in the business of healing people and his love being applied in this world in dramatic ways. I love that picture because, you know, in that picture, the reason that uh, Rachel and, and her daughter had those tiaras on she had ordered them some many weeks before as a reminder that, you know what, we are daughters of the king. He loves us. And they happened to arrive the very day that she got the report that the cancer was gone. How amazing is that? That's God. He is at work in this world. And our vision for the future must always say, we envision seeing God do incredible things. That's ministry. That's the work of God's spirit fleshed out in this world. You know, the church exists for discipleship, to form people in Christ. It's got to be a fellowship, people connected to one another. It's ministry. It's God doing great things through his people. And it also says that what they were doing, it says they were praising God, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Do you know what the church exists to do? It exists to praise God, to magnify him, to highlight him, to exalt him is a word we use. We just make God big and we give him the praise he deserves. We're going to call this worship. You know, the church has always existed just to worship God, to actually this community that comes together around Christ, that we realize this when we come to Christ, he is worthy to be praised. He is worthwhile of us setting aside our time, our efforts. We sing to him to worship him. Do you ever notice we don't sing any songs about, you know, Dean? We don't sing any songs about Phil. And he keeps asking, but we don't. You know, no, he doesn't. I'm just joking. But, you know, we don't sing about people. And we don't sing about even, we got great heroes of the faith. We don't sing a song about John Wesley, the great, uh, uh, you know, wonderful man. No, never. We sing songs about God because he's worthy of worship, like literally worthy of us to lift our voices. You know, we will always be about worship. Do you know what's amazing? You know, we are worshiping God in fresh ways from homes. You know, we, and whether you are singing out loud along or whether you are uh, just kind of focusing, there's a distinct choice you make when you engage with this service. Uh, This will be something else that's on in my life, or it will be a moment of worship where I focus my attention and my energy towards God. I don't just go, hey, they're singing some songs. I say, God, let that penetrate my heart. Uh, The, you know, worship will always be a, a part of our future. And then the last thing, you know what it says? It says, the Lord added daily to their number. The Lord added daily. We're going to call this evangelism. Do you know that the church exists with this great, great, great news message? Evangelism, that word might freak you out if it does. I understand that because sometimes it has uh, been associated with some, some bad experience. It's a word that just means good news. It's a word that just means we got great, great news and we want to share it with everybody. And we talked earlier about this, uh, you know, 
we just rejoice and celebrate every time we hear a story like, uh, like a young person at Alta One who realizes God loves me. That's good news. And we want to see that good news go to as many people as possible. And so one of the beautiful things in this passage, it talks about how they were just, this is what they did. They were giving themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were, they were fellowshipping. They cared for one another. Anybody who had a need, they looked after them. The way we care for each other, that's what fellowship is about. Ministry, they were signs, wonders. They're praying, worshiping God, praising God. And people, the Lord just adds to the number daily. You just get this picture. It's just like people like, you know what? I want some of that. I see how y'all are living. That's how they used to speak in those days. They'd say, y'all. Jerusalem's in the south. And, um, but this is a picture of what is it? You know what? When we think about, okay, what should the vision of the church be? We think about 2030 and creating the future. Well, we have to be thinking. It's not just about, you know, well, what kind of crazy, uh, what kind of crazy cool technologies will exist in 2030? Or how should we, you know, what should things look like? It's about how in the world we live in, today and in the world as it will emerge, how are we creating a future where the church is committed to being the church? This is what the church is called to be. We've got to constantly reimagine what must these things look like in the future? What are we going to put into this vision? Do you know, one of the things I love about, you know, take, take fellowship. Do you know, in this season, uh, it's, it's caused us to actually rethink what does it mean to be committed to one another? When we can't just show up to the same building because we know it's, I go there at the same time, say, you know, I know say, that everybody will be there. What does it mean to be a fellowship? Not just a group of strangers in a room together, but a fellowship. You know, earlier this year, I think it was in probably January, PC, pre-COVID. You remember that world, right? I've seen pictures, photos, stuff like that. Uh, and I remember this. This was... Uh, a, one of my neighbors who lived on my street comes here to our church, amazing guy, serves, just a wonderful guy. And he messaged me and said, hey, I've got to go to Charlie's for, for a procedure. It's going to involve my eyes. I can't drive home. Is there any chance you could take me there uh, and, and home on this date? And I looked at my calendar and I couldn't do it. But I wanted, I didn't want to just say, no, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, good luck with that. Um, you know, just loving you, fellowship, care for the people, you know. But I thought, oh, I wonder who else might be able to. Who could I connect him to? I happen to mention, hey, do you know so-and-so? They actually live just a couple streets over. And so-and-so is an incredibly kind, generous person who I know uh, happened to be retired. And, and I was just confident, would love to help because I know their heart. Oh, no, I didn't know him. And I ended up saying to so-and-so, hey, do you know so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, no, I don't know him. But would you be, oh, I'd love to. Be more than happy to. Yep, just give us numbers. They get in touch. And there you go, the church is able to go, hey, someone's got a need, I can meet it. But what bothered me about the experience was certainly not those two uh, people, because they were both incredible people who cared for one another super well in that time, was how do we have a fellowship where people could live a couple streets away and not be able to meet a need in one another's lives? See, our world doesn't look like the first century and what it looked like for them to meet daily and in homes and how they connected and all those things. We got this kind of, we have a very different life if you don't know that. How do we in our day go, what does it look like to connect the body, to connect people in fellowship? 
so that it could be easy for people to go, you've got a need, I can help meet that need. And not only can I help meet that need, when we, this is the whole idea of the neighborhoods. You heard about these today. The whole idea is not also to add some other kind of layer to our lives and now I have to be involved in this. The whole idea is to go, how can we just know who's in our fellowship and nearby so that we could actually care for one another? And sometimes that's just as easy as being able to say, maybe into a Facebook group, hey, I need to get somewhere and I need someone to drive. Is there anybody who could do that? And guess what? When someone lives in your neighborhood, caring for them is far easier than when you're trying to care for someone who lives 30, 40 minutes away, even 20 minutes away. Imagine this for one moment. Just you want to take a meal to someone who you know needs a meal, but you live 25 minutes away you know that the exercise of caring for that person is going to take you uh, 50 minutes, almost an hour in round trip time. Plus, if you're me cooking, it will take you over three hours to prepare that meal filled with various stop, starts, trials, and errors. What if caring for one another in the fellowship could be so much easier? What if in the future, what it looked like to be the church was a lot more local? And a lot more sustainable. Took a lot less time, petrol, money. It just became easier. And all that is just say, I don't don't know what the future will look like, but here's what I know. We've got to think about, when we think about what is that vision of the future, we got to go, what's inside that? What does God call us to? And we start with this. We know this is his picture for what churches are about. This is why we do what we do. This is why you could uh, say no one's ever allowed to meet in the same room more than two. We'll always find a way to do discipleship, fellowship, ministry, worship, event. We will always find a way because that's always what the church is about. But the beauty of creating the future right now is we get to go not, hey, how do we just do what we used to do? How do we just get back there? And I appreciate the desire to get back there for sure. But We don't want to let our vision kind of go, you know what, let's just bring it right back to where it used to be. Let's just do that stuff. I believe this is a moment to say, God, what do you want to put in here? And how do we set that up there and go, you know what, God, there may be a big gap between where we are and where you want us to be, but we will not drop that vision. We will not relieve that tension by just making it easier and say, you know what, it's a little too hard to care for my neighbor. It's a little too hard to meet that need. It's a little too hard to fill in whatever feels hard to you. We got to go, no, this is, this is the vision. And we got to go, all right, God, what steps do we got to take to start moving towards it? We're going to move that way. And I love the thought of just going 2030. What could this look like? Can I invite you to do something to just be a part of in this moment, you know, if you're like, oh man, so what is it, Dean? What's in, what's in that hand? What's it going to look like? What do I have? I don't know. You saw, if you were watching the pre-show, what happened to the flux capacitor when they tried to bring the DeLorean to 2020. It just blew up. I don't know if you've seen that, but anyway, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it will look like, but I think we've got to be thinking very carefully. We have a moment, a Kairos moment, I think in history to say, God, what do you want us to put in here? How could it look and how could we move towards it? And so what I'd invite you to do is a real simple thing to just begin to pray this prayer. If you're part of the tribe at True North, maybe write this down, make it a daily prayer, but just start to say this, you know, Jesus in chapter, John chapter five, 
think it's verse nine, people were asking him, you know, how do you do the stuff you're doing? And Jesus basically said, basically that's what they're asking. And Jesus says, I can only do whatever I see the father doing. And it's his kind of way of saying, he, Jesus was just in touch with God, in touch with what he was doing. And that's how he was able to always see the kingdom come perfectly in every moment of his life and his ministry. Would you pray this prayer on a daily basis? God, would you help me to see where you are at work so that we can join you there? Would you, over this next couple of weeks, while we're still in this particular focus in June, just pray, God, would you reveal to us as a church where you're at work? What do you want 2030 to look like? Help us to start seeing where you're calling us so that we can start moving towards it. I, I think if our whole tribe was praying that, maybe even praying, God, how in my life, you know, what do you want these things to look like? How could we all develop and cultivate a vision for our lives that is not just status quo, but in everything, saying, God, what do you see? Where are you working? What's it look like from your perspective? So we can, we can join you there, not try to bring you here. Make that a prayer every day. You know what? We're going to sing a song together. You can sing it out loud or you can engage in worship from your home. We're going to sing a couple of songs that just declare the praises of God. We're going to worship him as we do. Maybe be praying that prayer. God, would you give me greater vision? Your vision for my life, your vision for our church so that we could join you there. Team's going to lead us in it. I'm going to pray for you just before we do. Holy Spirit, I pray you would begin to reveal to each one of us a greater sense and picture and image and vision for our our own lives and for your church. Let it pull us. Lord, let us move towards the future that you see in Jesus' name.